Hallelujah. Let's give a hand clap of praise to the Lord right now. Oh, how we love you, Jesus. Oh, there's nobody like you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am. I love what I feel in this place. Hallelujah. There's nothing, no place I'd rather be than in the presence of the most holy one. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is here this morning. Hallelujah. I don't know what your need is. There's no reason for you to leave this place the same way that you came in. Hallelujah. God is here to meet your need today. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I am deeply, deeply honored to be here with y'all this morning. Deeply. It's a tremendous privilege to be with Pastor Bushnell. And y'all, your reputation precedes you. I just want you to know this is well known as a missions church. And so when I found out that we were going to be here, I, I, I leapt with joy uh, because, it, it, like I said, your reputation precedes you. And, and I love going to places that love the work of God. Uh, and so we are deeply honored to be here with you this morning. Myself, uh, my wife, two of our three children, I, we uh, have uh, the, the oldest is in college in Texas. Uh, he's 19, Jordan. And uh, in fact, we just dropped him off uh, this past Monday for his second semester. And, uh, but I'm, I'm glad to have our other two with us, Joshua, who will be 18 in two weeks, and, uh, and Elizabeth, who is 14, uh, and my beautiful wife. And I'm not going to tell you her age. <laughs> so we are we uh we're just tremendously honored to be here uh with y'all this morning uh and uh, we are missionaries to the nation of Chile cuanto dice gloria a dios Hallelujah. hay algunos aquí que me entiende parece uh, well some of y'all may understand but those of you that don't didn't understand what i just y'all need to get with it uh, you won't be uncomfortable in heaven when you get up there and jesus says hola I'm just, I'm just, it's by revelation. You need to get it. But uh, we are, uh, we've been there since uh, 2010, January of 2010. Prior to that, we were in uh, the nation of Colombia for six years, uh, uh, pioneered a work on the island of San Andres. And uh, uh, when we, uh, got that work established and was able to, to get it self-supported and to where they were able to, to, to be autonomous. We turned it over to a national there and, and then God directed our path to the nation of Chile. Uh, and I'm excited about what God is doing there. We, uh, since 2010, when we arrived in January of 2010, we had 25 churches, uh, as of, uh, January of this year, 2018, we now have 70 churches. Uh, so I'm excited excited about what God is doing in the nation of Chile. Our constituency has grown uh, in that same time from 900 to almost 4,000. Uh, so uh, God is doing great and mighty things in the nation of Chile. Like I tell people, we keep praying for revival, but I'm going to tell you something. Revival is not coming. Uh, revival is already here. Uh, hallelujah. For so long, we just ask God, Lord, uh, I want you to do this. This is what I want to do, God, and I want you to bless it. Uh, God bless what I am endeavoring to do. But the Bible says, uh, ask of me of things 
things to come concerning my children uh, and, and the work of my hands and command ye me. In other words, he's saying, instead of asking me to bless what you're doing, ask of me what I want to do. And then uh, that was what I will bless. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we are excited about to, to, to be able to get back to that nation. We uh, just started our deputation travels, but uh, uh, thank God it will be an abbreviated travel. I think we only need about 30 more partners in missions uh, to, to finish. Uh, and so it's probably going to be our shortest deputation of record. I think we'll probably done uh, by June, Lord willing. Uh, one of the things that we are raising for, I was uh, this last term I was uh, appointed uh, as the director of the Bible schools of South America. Uh, and with that new responsibility comes a lot of travel. Uh, we have over 400 Bible schools in South America. Uh, and uh, I, I, I would ask of you to, to prayerfully consider uh, sponsoring us in that endeavor. Uh, because that way you are not just reaching uh, the saints of the nations. You are reaching the leaders. Uh, because the, the, those that most of our schools in South America, most of our works there require before a pastor is allowed to pastor. Uh, he must go through one of our Bible schools. Uh, and so this way you are impacting the direction of entire nations. Uh, and so if you would like to be a part of that, uh, we would be deeply honored because it is a tremendous undertaking uh, that, that we have uh, in uh, overseeing this work in South America. And so we need to raise about uh, $10,000 uh, to, to be able to handle that, to hold the, the classes and the seminars and that for the Bible schools there. We just had our annual meeting in, in St. Louis last week, and, and I'm excited about what God is doing there in the nation of South America through our Bible schools. Praise God. Uh, we do have a little display set up in the back uh, that you can see after service. A few little things for sale. We do have uh, uh, Colombian coffee since we were in Colombia for six years. We figure why not? Uh, it's cheaper than Starbucks and tastes a lot better. Uh, we do have uh, Spanish hot chocolate, uh, which is spicy hot chocolate, just in case you're wondering what that is. And uh, so we have a few little things. My wife and children will be back there. My son has, I think, uh, a few pins left. He makes handmade pins. Pins, and uh, so there, those are, are back there as well. Praise God. Going to the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Very common passage of scripture. The Bible says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It says, the Father seeketh them to seeketh such to worship him. For the next few moments, I just want to speak to you on the subject, the passionate pursuit of God. One thing that God desires uh, in our lives is our worship. That is one thing that God is not neutral about. It is the one thing that God is actively seeking after. Uh, the Bible speaks of two things that God is looking for. Uh, the first is he came to seek and to save uh, that which was lost. Uh, each one of us here find, have found ourselves in that category. Uh, but if you are here this morning with the uh, filled with the Holy Ghost, goes baptized in Jesus name uh, then you must be the second thing
thing that God is seeking after and that is someone uh, that will worship him Uh, if one thing happens in this place this morning uh, if one thing uh, and only one thing could occur uh, it's that that I would want God to feel so honored uh, by his people Uh, I would want him to feel so praised and so exalted and so lifted higher as ever before Uh, I want something to expand within our hearts uh, that when we leave this place uh, God will have feel blessed uh, by what we have done uh, in his presence this morning Uh, like I said I don't know what your situation is uh, but if you want to walk out of here victorious uh, all you've got to do uh, is to determine in your life uh, God today uh, I am going to worship you more than I have ever worshipped you I am going to push a little bit further I'm going to press a little bit stronger God I want you to feel blessed by my worship Uh, somebody's going to walk out of here this morning uh, but instead of your head being held low uh, it's going to be lifted high Uh, somebody's going to walk out of here this morning uh, with a fresh spring in your step I believe that somebody's going to walk out of here this morning uh, with a healing touch of virtue uh, through your body and if you want that to happen then you've got to determine today that you will be a worshiper Worship is something that is necessary and absolutely critical for the child of God. It is so big that the Bible spends seven chapters or 334 verses speaking of the standards, the measurements, and the furnishings that were to be a part of the tabernacle, which was the place of worship. Yet it only took God 31 verses to describe the entire creation of the universe. So you can see that God says that your worship is so much more important than anything else that you could ever do for me. He says, what must happen if you want to see a creative work? You must understand that it's much more important to me that you become a worshiper. Worship in the Old Testament was something that was absolutely necessary. It was something so much more than just lifting their hands and going through the motions. Worship in the Old Testament, they would have to prostrate themselves on the ground and to kiss the ground towards the object that they were adoring. It is a complete and total abandonment and a complete respect towards the object that you are worshiping. It is a physical action expressing the attitude of your heart. When God told Abraham that he wanted him to take his son, his only son, to Mount Moriah to sacrifice, understand something. God was not after Isaac's body, but instead God was after Abraham's heart. He said, Abraham, I want to know, do you love me more than what I have blessed you with? Do you understand what I am asking of you, Abraham? I want you to be willing to sacrifice everything to me. Abraham understood something that we as the church of the living God need to come to grips with. It's that God is seeking us to give back to everything that he has blessed us with. Abraham understood that this may cost me everything. This may cost me my hopes. This may cost me my future. This may cost me my dreams. But if this is what the one who has been so good to me is asking of me, then he said it is the very least I can do. You understand, 
God does not tune into our services just because we clap our hands. He doesn't tune into our services just because we sing in key and just because we dance and shout. I don't misunderstand me. I love everything that we do in our Pentecostal worship. It is critical and it is necessary, but every one of those things can be found in any other style of church. But I have understood that God tunes in into our services because there is something that adds value to that outward expression when it goes beyond the dance when it goes beyond the song when it goes beyond the clapping of the hands when our heart is involved then there's something about it that God simply cannot resist understand his presence is attracted by heartfelt worship Matthew 15 8 shows us God's disgust with the people that would just come in and go through the motions. Jesus said, this people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and they honoreth me with their lips, yet their heart is far from me. He said, understand, what they're doing is not wrong. They're doing the right things, but the thing that adds value to what they're doing is sorely lacking. He said, the key element is that your heart has got to be involved. I don't know about you this morning, But I am not willing just to go through the motions today. I'm not willing just to clap my hands because it's time to clap my hands. I'm not willing just to shout and dance because it's time to shout and dance. I've got to do it because he's been so good to me. He he lives. He inhabits in our worship. The Lord told Moses in Exodus 25, he said, speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. And in verses three through seven, God goes on to describe All of the wonderful things that the people were to bring unto him. He goes on and he lists the gold. He lists the silver. He lists the animal skins. Understand, those things in of themselves had no physical value to God. None. He created it. He didn't need more gold. He didn't need silver. He needed none of those things. But when he looked at his people, he said, this is what you honor. This is something that is valuable to you. So I want to know, just like he asked Abraham, are you willing to give back to me everything that I have blessed you with? And then in verse 8, he says, he says, let them make me a sanctuary. He's saying, I want you to understand that when you take the things that you value most, when you take that which you hold in highest esteem and you willingly with your heart you bring it towards me he said something supernatural begins to happen he said I'm able to take that which you value and it creates an inhabiting place for my Shekinah glory hallelujah he said if you want to feel my presence then I want you to sacrifice everything that I have blessed you with and what was the end result he says that I may dwell among them he said when you take that which is most valuable to you. He said it creates that inhabiting place that I'm able to commune with you. When we worship, 
When we give him praise, when we give him glory, and it's not just a function, and it's not just in form, when it's not just something because it's the next part of service, but when we give him that physical expression from our hearts, he takes that offering. I'm not talking about your money only. I'm not talking about the things you hold. I'm talking about your life, everything that you are, every bit of strength that you have. When you say, God, I may be tired. I've had a long week, but I am coming into your presence today and I'm going to give you that which I hold dearest and I give it back to you willingly Lord when we enter into this place when we come into this place something begins to happen in the presence of God that's why David said enter Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. He didn't say wait till you got into the presence of God. He didn't say wait till they sang the right song. He didn't say wait till the preacher preached the right message. He said no when you walk through those doors there needs to be a praise already on your lips. There needs to be a dance in your step. There needs to be an action of thanksgiving in your life. And David said, but for those of you that are going to be sticking the mud and not have an understanding of, he said, I'm going to give you three reasons why you need to enter into the presence of God as a worshiper. He says, why? Because the Lord is good. Has God been good to anybody in this place this morning? Has God blessed you when you didn't deserve to be blessed? Has God made a way to make ends meet in your life? Has God made it to where you had food on your table when you didn't know where it was going to come from? Did he have to make a way when you, when you didn't know how you were going to pay that bill, but his goodness came through and provided for you? If that has ever happened in your life, you should be on your feet this morning. Hallelujah. Giving him some praise because of his goodness. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord is good. Understand, even when times are bad, he is good. His goodness is never predicated upon our circumstances. When you're going through your trial, he is good. When everything's all right, he is good. He is good. He said, I know some of you ain't going to respond to goodness. So he said, there's a second reason. He said, his mercy is everlasting. Let me ask you, has God been merciful to anybody? Has grace and mercy ever reached down further than you could reach up and pick you up out of the pit of sin that you were in and set you upon the rock that is Christ Jesus? If God has ever been merciful to you, that is reason to worship him. David knew goodness and mercy still wasn't going to get to some. But he said, I know this third one will. He said, his truth endureth to all 
generations. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I never want my children walking away from this truth. I never want them to slip and to slide and to go into false doctrine and a false lifestyle. Hallelujah. So that is one of the reasons that I am a worshiper. I've told my kids, I don't care if they think I'm a decent preacher. I don't care if they think all of these great things. One thing that I want them to see is nobody out worships their daddy. Nobody, nobody will come into the presence of the Lord more grateful than their father because I want that truth to be passed on to them. Why was God merciful to me? Because I had a mama and daddy that walked in it. Why is he merciful to me? Because when I was backslid, when I was in the world, and I would come in at all hours of the day in situations that were just horrible, that next morning I'd have mama on one side, daddy on the other, hitting that bed saying, wake up, boy, it's time to go to church. And I would just respond say, you know what, I'm feeling kind of sick this morning. I don't want to go. My mom would look at me and she says, son, look into my eyes. Do you see anything there that remotely gives you the, 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 the thought that I care about what you think? You are living in our house. You are under our roof. You are eating food that I provided for you. So when it's time to go to the house of the Lord, you're going with us. Hallelujah. And so as a result, God was merciful to me. Hallelujah. Maybe you didn't have a mama and daddy that did that to you, but you want God to be merciful to your children. Then you need to show them what it is to be a worshiper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we come into his presence, worshiping, something begins to happen. He inhabits it. When I come into his house and I begin to offer back all of the things which he blessed me with. When I begin to make a sacrifice of worship, it's not for what he has done, but it is because of who he is to me. There's something about it that God will make haste and he has to respond. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is completely and entirely infatuated with your worship. When when you worship him, not only does he inhabit the worship, but there's something about it. He can't control himself. He can't. That's why I love Exodus 34. Starting with verse 6. If you, you could throw that up there. Exodus 34, verse 6. The Bible says, speaking of the Lord dealing with Moses, and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed. Now understand, you have Moses, and then you have the presence of Almighty God passing in front of Moses and God begins to speak this proclamation here is powerful when you see Moses isn't talking about the Lord the Lord is talking about the Lord and the Lord said, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth. Mm. Sounds a little bit like God's bragging about himself. 
But like my daddy used to say, it ain't bragging if it's true. <laughs> you see, anything that comes out of my lips, I am capable of telling the truth or a lie because I'm human. Anything that comes out of the lips of God has to be truth. Even if it wasn't true before, him stating it makes it so. I could look at you this morning and say, my tie is purple with orange polka dots. And you look at me and be like, bro, you're out of your mind. But if God was to look at my tie and says, it's orange with purple polka dots. And guess what? Next time you looked at my tie... It would be orange with purple polka dots because just him stating it makes it fact. And so God begins to go on and speak about himself. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving the iniquity and transgression and sin that will by no means clear the guilty and visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and fourth generation all of a sudden Moses is hearing all of this from God he understands that God is speaking truth right there Moses could not contain it anymore and he had to do something to show what he was feeling in that moment in his reaction we find in verse 8 the Bible says and Moses made haste bowed his head toward the about his head towards the earth and worshiped in other words Moses had got so much revelation of what God was saying. He said, if he is saying it, it must make it so I can't contain myself anymore. He said, I've got to do something. And Moses, the Bible said, he threw himself on his face in the presence of God and he worshiped. It's like, understand, God was not saying these things for his benefit. God already knew he was good. God already knew he was merciful. God already knew he was long-suffering. But he said, I'm in the presence of somebody that needs a specific touch from me. He said, so I am going to have to reveal a little bit about my character to him to get the reaction that I am looking for. It's like this. I ain't going to call you up. I told her I might. I've got three incredible kids. I love them to death. This little bug right here, Elizabeth, is the apple of her daddy's eye. She knows it too. But when she was born, she did not have a grateful bone in her body. I honestly believe her first words were, mine. I know they were to her brothers because every time they'd be playing, she'd be like, mine, mine. Didn't even want it, but now that you want it, now it's mine. That was way. So whenever we would buy her something, we would have to go through a little ritual for her to understand. Whenever we would give her a birthday present, we would say, here's a baby doll, Elizabeth. Thank you. I'm not telling her thank you for my benefit. I already know I'm a great dad. I, I know I'm awesome. I know there, there, there ain't any other daddy like me. I'm a little conceited in that, but like I say, it's not bragging if it's true. I loved her. 
But I understood there's a characteristic that children need to develop because otherwise they will grow up to believe that the world owes them, to believe that everything should be handed to them and they will never be grateful for anything. So as a father, I would say, here you go, Elizabeth. Look at how good your daddy is to you. You couldn't have afforded that, but I got it for you. You would have never gotten that on your own, but I did it for you. Now, all I want to hear from you is for you to look back at me and repeat those words that I am telling you. And so when I would give it to her and say, here you go, Elizabeth. Thank you. Finally, it would begin to click within her and she would say, thank you, daddy. The same thing was happening with Moses. God already knew he was a good God. He already knew, but he said, Moses, I'm not going to let you grow up to be spiritually pretentious and egotistical. You need to understand, Moses, there's no other God like I am. There's no other God that can do for you what I can do for you. Now, when I give you all of these blessings, all I want to hear from you, Moses, is for you to look back at me and you to tell me thank you. And Moses, the Bible says, made haste, bowed his head towards the earth, and he worshiped. Will somebody give God a hand clap of praise for everything that he's done for you here? throughout the Bible. God's autobiography to us. His revelation to us. From Genesis to Revelation he is trying to reveal himself to us. And every time he's doing it, he's saying look at how an awesome God I am. He said I don't heal you to prove to myself that I'm a healer. I heal you because I want you to know that I am your healer. I want you to know that I am your deliverer. I want you to know I am your salvation. But for how long are we going to sit back with our arms folded and keep being like a a spoiled child say gimme 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 I refuse to be that I've come into this place this morning to give back to him that worship that he so desires there's something about it that's why that's why one thing that we can never change as a church is those 30, 40 minutes of when we come into the presence of God and we just come in with complete and total abandonment and we worship him. It's what he is searching for. My worship. He lives in it. He's infatuated by it. But now I want to tell you how your worship benefits you. The Bible speaks in 1 Samuel 21. You may know the story. David is on the run from King Saul. Saul, a reprobate king, is jealous that the anointing has now fallen upon David and he is pursuing David to kill him. And David, in his fleeing of Saul, comes to the house of the high priest, Amalek. And we arise at Amalek's house. He asks him, he says, I'm on the run. I don't know where else to go. Is there not here under thy hand a spear or a sword? For I have neither brought my weapons with me. Understand, David knew how to fight. 
It's not that David was ill-prepared. He was a warrior. He slew the lion, the bear, the Philistine. That boy knew how to fight. But David, never in a million years did he think that his own father-in-law, an anointed king of Israel, would turn against him. And David is on the run and he says, I am facing something here. And I'm like, I never thought I would have to face. Now, I, I, don't, I don't mean to want to get specific this morning, but I noticed in 2017 that the church began to face things that we never thought that we would have to face. I, I told the church, I preached a watch night service on December 31st, and I told them that I was there not so much that night to, to welcome 2018, but it was to make sure that 2017 made it on out of the, uh, out of the way. Does anybody understand what I'm talking? Did anybody, is anybody going through battle? See, we know how to fight certain things in our lives. We know how to face certain struggles, but lately it seems like we have been faced with things, and it is it seems like, you know what? I don't know what this is and how to fight it. And so David asks him like this. He says, do you have something that I can use to fight this? And Ahimelech said, oh, but I do, David. You remember that day in the Valley of Elah. You remember when the Philistines withstood us, David. And you remember how we didn't know how we were going to face it. And yet, David, somehow God delivered into your hand Goliath the Philistine. David said, oh, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, that was a great day. There was not another day like that day. Himalek said, David, do you remember the sword? The sword of Goliath. Now, understand. We tell the story of David killing Goliath with a sling and a stone. That's not the whole story. The Bible speaks of how David knocked him down with the stone. Whether he was dead or not when he hit the ground, I don't know. But I do know there was enough doubt in David's mind that he said, you know what? I better make sure this guy's dead. Because if he's not, he's going to get up angrier than he's ever been. And he's going to stomp a mud hole in me. And he said, so I'm going to have to go over there. And I'm going to have to take what the enemy was going to use against me. Well, I'm going to have to take what the enemy was using against me. And I'm going to turn it around. And I'm going to slay that which has been attacking me and attacking my people. So David went over, he took that sword from Goliath and he cut off his head. Let me tell you something. I've come here in the Holy Ghost to tell you this. The very thing that you have been fighting in this place today, if you will rise to your feet and declare that you are going to be a worshiper, God is going to deliver into your hands that which the enemy was using against you. And he's going to turn around and give it to you as a testimony to his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But understand, it comes with a price. Himalek said, Yes, David, you remember that sword? David said, Yeah, I remember that sword. Give that one to me, for there's not another one like it. But Himalek said, David, there's one small problem. It's behind the linen ephod. Now understand, Ahimelech was the high priest dwelling with the priests of Israel. 
the linen ephod was the garment that symbolized their priesthood and their worship. And any time they acted on behalf of the Lord, they were to be robed in the linen ephod. And so when Ahimelech was speaking to David as the priest, he should have had on his linen ephod. But the Bible says the sword that represents your victory, he said, is behind the linen ephod. It's behind the worship. He said, David, if you're going to have that thing that represents your victory, he says, we're going to have to go over and I'm going to have to pick up my worship again. I'm going to have to put on that worship. I'm going to have to put on that garment of praise. I'm going to have to remove the mourning and give it, put on that garment of praise. I'm come to tell you this morning, you know where your victory is? It's under your worship. You want to know where it is? You've been wondering why? Why is it you're facing this battle? Why is it you're facing this trouble? Can I tell you? Maybe, just maybe, you laid down your worship, and when you laid down your worship, it covered up that which represents the victory that God has for you. But it comes with a price. I'd like to be able to tell you this morning that being a worshiper doesn't cost. It will cost you everything. Because the story goes on. After David had left, when Saul finally arrived, and he saw that David had been there, that reprobate man turned to his soldiers and he said slay the priests of the Lord for their, their hand is with David and every one of those soldiers of Saul said no oh, we will not touch the anointed of God except for one man Doeg the Edomite now understand the Edomites were always the enemy of the children of God they represented carnality. Nothing will kill your worship quicker than carnality. Nothing will quick kill the blessings of God in your life. Nothing will diminish the victory that God has for you like blatant carnality. We had people that would surround our church and they would do their witchcraft incantations. And that never made me lose one night of sleep. But as a pastor, what always concerned me was when carnality would enter the house of God and mimic itself after something holy. Mm. And the Bible says that Doeg, the Edomite, says, I'll do it because carnality has no problem with desecrating the holy. And the Bible says that that day, Doeg put to the sword 85 priests of the Lord. And the next verse says it all, all wearing the linen ephod. So something happened. And when David went behind that ephod and he took that sword, more than likely something quickened those men of God in that household. And they said, we must put on that garment of worship.
worship no matter what the price may be and as they stood there before Saul and Noah the Bible says they all had on their garment of worship and it cost them everything I want to know here this morning is there anybody that is willing to pay that price Is there anybody here this morning that is willing to say, God, I've come into your presence and I'm going to put on the garment of worship. I don't care what the price may be. I don't care what it costs me, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you have a weapon in the house of Himalek? Oh, yes, I have one. But you're going to have to put on your garment of worship to get to it. We're going to have to pick up that garment one more time. Is there anybody here going through a trial, going through a struggle, and you want to know, where is my healing? Where is my victory? Would you come to this place and pick up your worship? Pick it up. Pick it up. Hallelujah. 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 If you've lost a little bit of hope, if you've lost a little bit of joy, if you lost a little bit of peace, I'm telling you, you will find it in this place underneath your worship. Come and take it. It takes sacrifice. It takes a willingness to die for it. But oh, it is worth it. That's it. That's it. Come on right now. Pour your heart out to him. It's not about me. It's about some of the things that you've lost. It's about some of the things that you've laid aside. I can't give it back to you. It doesn't matter what I say or do. It's up to you this morning to pick it back up. Hallelujah. I believe somebody's going to have their peace again. Somebody's going to have their joy this morning. Somebody's going to have that restoration. Hallelujah. David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Pick it up right now. Uncover your worship. And underneath your worship, you're finding the victory that God has. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.